Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. Nick. And we got a great episode for you today, as, as we do every every week. Uh, for starters, I was able to play some basketball on Monday with Nets Daily writer Chris Mulholland. We played some two-on-two. Not going to discuss the results of that game. But I will say that after we were done playing, Chris had a nasty dunk. I think any dunk by anybody I know who's not a professional basketball player is nasty. But he got up. Chris is about 6'4", 6'5". He still got up, yammed it with one hand. Uh, I got a video of it. It's all over Twitter. It's on Chris Mulholland's Twitter. If you're a follower, if you follow the Nets, I'm sure you follow Chris Mulholland. He's a great insider for Nets Daily. He's verified. And apparently he can dunk the basketball. Why aren't we verified? Um, it's a great question. You're going to have to contact Twitter about that one. Maybe I will. I would say we're not verified because, A, we're not a person. Fireside Nets is an entity. We only have 6,000-plus followers. And to be an entity and to be verified, it takes a lot. So I think if either you or I built up our following on our own personal Twitters, at MrSaw42 – Scratch that at Spenny and the Nets. Scratch that. It is the first one. It's at M R S A H 42, Mr. Soft 42. My name is Spenny and the Nets. You can follow me on Twitter, but that's how you get verified. Chris is verified because he covered the covers the Nets. You know, He's been I doing it for a while. I wasn't raising the questions so that you could plug your Twitter handle. Hey, it kind of sounded like you were. Okay. Anyway, shout out to Chris for dunking. Uh, I don't think that Nick or I could dunk a basketball. Not unless you lower the hoop or put a milk cart on the ground. Or if you get that surgery that gives you like six or seven inches in your legs. That's like not a uh, thing. Kyle Broflowski does in South Park. That's not a thing. All right. So some actual Nets news and a lot happened this past week. So just try to pay attention and stay focused because Nick and I are about to go through a lot. We're going to start with the DeAndre Jordan trade. The Nets were looking for a sucker to get rid of this DeAndre Jordan contract. The Detroit Pistons said, hey, we can be that sucker. Uh, The Nets had to give up four future second-round draft picks, which Knicks fans are quick to point out that we pretty much uh, mortgaged a ton of second-round draft picks. But at the end of the day, you can buy second-round draft picks in two seconds. We didn't give up any firsts. We gave up four second-rounders in the future, DeAndre Jordan, and a little bit of cash, we got back Sekoy Dumboya, I believe. Sekou Dumboya, a 20-year-old prospect. He, he's played in the, in the league for about two years. Uh, very raw, has some, some serious upside potential. Can be – I look at him and sort of see someone like, a, like, like peak Pascal Siakam if he's able to refine his game. I think right now he's really just a defensive force but he's someone the Nets can kind of stash and, and keep in the system to see if they're able to develop him. And the other guy we got back in the trade is former Net Jaleel Okafor, probably going to get cut. I, I don't think that Jaleel Okafor makes the 15-man roster because Let's now we have – Let's just say he's no Emeka Okafor. Yeah, I think at this point in his career he'd probably be cut too. I don't think he's been in the NBA for a few years now, Emeka Okafor. But um, 
No, it was a big win for the Nets. We were able to get rid of DeAndre's contract. The Pistons bought him out. He is probably going to sign with the Lakers. So I want to start with your most memorable moment or moments having DeAndre Jordan on the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, it's just got to be like cue the compilation of all the alley-oops, right? When I think of DeAndre Jordan, I think can't play any sort of help defense whatsoever, but if you lob it up to him, he slams it home like few are able to do in this league. So uh, he also just seems like a fun, uh, happy guy. He's a hype man. He's a good teammate. Uh, He's a good sport. I remember when he made his first All-Star game and his only All-Star game must have been five or seven years ago. Uh, he called his mom and she didn't believe him. There's this whole funny video of her mom like, no, you didn't. No way. That's not true. And like him and his family were so shocked that DeAndre Jordan made an all-star game, given the fact that, you know, he's a bang guy down low. He's, he's a solid rebounder. He's a good defender. Uh, but he's really just known for finishing alley-oops and slamming it home. Never going to be remembered for his free throw game because those were kind of pitiful. But he's a likable guy that has had some, you know, sports center top 10 dunks. So that's what I'll most remember DeAndre for. Did you call him a bang guy down low? Yeah, like a bang guy. He bangs guys down low. I've never heard of a, a solid rebounder or a room protector as a bang guy, but I, I guess I'll go with it. Um, I'm going to start with the good. So part of the good about DeAndre Jordan is he was partly responsible for, I would think, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving choosing the Brooklyn Nets. He played for the Knicks, did not like – his time in New York at the Madison Square Garden. When KD and Kyrie were talking about teams, they went to DeAndre. He goes, look, don't don't sign with the Knicks. They're not a great organization. I, I see what Brooklyn's doing. They're doing some great things. I'll sign with them if you guys sign with them. I'm paraphrasing the story, but in a nutshell, that's sort of what happened. And I definitely think that while DeAndre wasn't solely responsible for those guys choosing Brooklyn – He had a little bit to do with it. So, you know, those three joined Brooklyn at the same time. And it made sense for DeAndre to be on the roster while Jarrett Allen was present. He worked because he was an older, declining player. You had this young rising star in Jarrett Allen. And then, boom, Sean Marks makes the James Harden trade. We lose Jarrett Allen. All of a sudden, DeAndre, who had just lost his starting role to Jarrett Allen, and that was a huge point of contention in the beginning of last season why is DeAndre starting over Jared Allen he gets the starting job back by default because the Nets didn't really have any other centers and he kept it for a while and you know the more he played the more Nets fans were able to see his flaws offensively defensively you saw Harden kind of yelling at him at moments. Kyrie was fed up with him at, yeah, at certain he was moments. Getting, he's 33, so, I mean, he was out of his prime. He was an all-star in 2017, and then he kind of went straight downhill from there. No, I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not saying that, you know, his declining play wasn't for, for age or, or whatever, but when you're a championship team, you can't really have a weakness. And it was obvious when he was on the floor, he was, he was our weakest link by far. Um, my favorite moment of his was the Clippers game. He had the tip-in to essentially win the game for the Nets. I think Paul George would would go on to miss uh, a game-winning or game-tying three at the end of regulation, but DeAndre Jordan was the go-ahead tip-in bucket. So that was a big moment for him. The bad, when the Nets, you know, went down the stretch and they inserted Blake into the five instead of DeAndre, uh, he kind of vanished. And, And in that playoff series against the Celtics, was nowhere to be found did not make the rotation against the Bucks when we had guys like Jeff Green banged up, Harden banged up. 
Everybody on the team seemed to have nagging injuries. You had Blake Griffin diving on the floor for loose balls. Uh, he couldn't crack the rotation. And, you know, once Nets fans saw that, they realized that he couldn't be on this roster next year. You, you can't have your starting center not playing in two playoff series. So kudos to Sean Marks for, for making the move. I think we're all going to miss a, a little bit of DeAndre Jordan. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get a championship. And I understand he had a good relationship with Kyrie, KD, and those guys. Unfortunately, that's the way the business works. If you're not playing up to par, you're not going to keep your job. And, and I think that was, that was a, what happened in this situation. But he moves on to the Lakers. Interesting signing for the Lakers. You know, you already have Dwight Howard. You still have Marcus Gasol in the mix. Now you add DeAndre Jordan. I'm not sure how much he's going to play on that roster, but – the, the Nets and late Lakers are basically in an arms race to see who can snatch up all the remaining veterans. And and we'll get into the Nets signings in a second, but what do you think of DeAndre to Los Angeles? Well, first I want to just say before that, I acknowledge DeAndre's stats in Brooklyn uh, in the last two seasons, which were the, were the only two seasons he played on the Nets. Uh, he averaged about 22 minutes per game. Uh, he averaged about eight points and about eight and a half rebounds per game. Shooting last year, 70, uh, uh, 76% from the field. So fun fact about DeAndre Jordan, he owns the NBA record for the highest field goal percentage in NBA history. Yeah. Yo, no, keep going. Are you done? No. I was going to say what the record was. Oh, okay. All right. I had a question about DeAndre, but keep going. He has the NBA record for the highest field goal percentage in NBA history over his career at points – 0.674 or 67.4% from the field. He holds the record. He holds the NBA record. So my question to you is this. That's a really cool stat, by the way. But at the end of the day, he only shoots inside the paint. So it is a little bit misleading. Having said that, he doesn't miss a lot of dunks when, when he goes up with it. Would you put DeAndre Jordan as a top three all-time dunker in the Nets franchise? Well, you got to put Vince Carter one. Yep. Right, you got to put Dr. J up there, maybe even before BC. Well, so it's Dr. Be- J never played on the NBA Nets. So we're talking about NBA Nets. Okay, sure. If we're getting super technical here, have to be Vince Carter one. Could you say in his prime, Jefferson was a better dunker than DeAndre? No. Then, then potentially, um, Daryl Dawkins probably up there. RIP. Chocolate, Chocolate Thunder. Thunder, great dunker. Yeah, it's also I think- hard. It, it's yeah. hard to say a big man. Listen, DeAndre Jordan is a power dunker. And he's, but that's what I'm saying. Some it's of hard his to dunks, compare him yeah, to Vince I, Carter. I know, he's like a I know. flashy dunker. Outside of Chocolate Thunder, I don't remember any other net who dunked with as much ferociousness and power as DeAndre Jordan. That's why I'd probably give him top five. I don't know about Kenyon top Martin. three. Kenyon Martin's definitely up there. But again, he never – DeAndre Jordan, like, tears the rim down on every dunk. So did Kmart. DeAndre Jordan is just a bigger human being. It also than helps Kenyon yeah. Martin was. It helps DeAndre Jordan that the Nets' weakness over the last twenty years was never having a, a, a big. So yeah, I could see him being the top three. And to answer your original question of how I feel about DeAndre Jordan going to the Lakers, at this point, listen, we're Nets fans. It is a little laughable. The NBA fans across the world are laughing at how much the Nets and Lakers are just stacking every possible veteran player out there. Uh, I think there's a funny stat that I sent to you. It was either the tooth. It was. Um, it was every player except for Chris Paul from the 2014. It was a 2013 or 2014 NBA All-Star game. I want to say from the 2013 NBA All-Star game, every single player except for Chris Paul is either on the Nets or the Lakers right now. 
I would assume Kobe was on one of those teams, no? Unless he was hurt that year. I'm not sure. Oh, he would have been on the Lakers. I'm not, I'm not sure, but that's what the stats that everybody except for okay. Paul, right? Because you're looking at uh, Blake Griffin, Kyrie Irving, uh, LeBron James. It was Anthony Davis. That might have been yeah. the first time. But, yeah, so it's just insane that the Nets and Lakers are stacking. So, I, listen, I'm happy DeAndre Jordan goes to another championship contender. Do I want the Lakers to win? No. Would it be nice to see DeAndre get a ring? Absolutely. I mean, I saw someone write like, oh, it would be a real shame if DeAndre all of a sudden, you know, found that extra gear and helped propel the Lakers to a championship. If the Lakers win a championship and the Nets don't this next season, I don't think it's going to be because it's going to be because of the DeAndre Jordan signing. I'll tell you what, if DeAndre Jordan, if the Lakers win the NBA championship and DeAndre Jordan wins finals MVP, maybe we'll be a little upset. You brought it up. The Nets and the Lakers right now as it stands, and I don't think DeAndre Jordan was ever an all-star. Yes, he they was. Com- oh, I already oh, mentioned was? that before, 2017. Yes, okay, so they combined for 11 all-stars from 2015. That was the year. Got it. Okay. KD, LeBron, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irvin, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Marcus Gasol, and Paul Millsap. All right, so I, I brought up Paul Millsap. He was the first guy the Nets signed this last week before they signed LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, what were your initial thoughts when, when Brooklyn signed Paul Millsap? I like Paul Millsap. I mean, I did like him in his prime. Listen, he's 36 years old at this point. He went to the Nuggets kind of to be that veteran guy, plays the four, never can't really pay the play the five. He is six eight. He is a shooter for a big man. Um, you know, I was I was happy because I like Paul Millsap. It's definitely a step up from the young bigs that we always talk about that still need a lot of improvement. You know, the Reggie Perry's, the Nick Claxton in that regard. But he was really getting limited minutes on his last year on the Nuggets. I mean, he he really faded fast over the last two or three years. Just looking at his usage right here, I mean, when he went to Denver in 2017-2018, he was starting 30 minutes a game, averaging 15 points. By the time he left four years later, 20 minutes a game, 10 minutes less, and averaging nine points a game coming off the bench. Uh, and, and, and listen, he's an efficient scorer. He was shooting 47%, 48%, 48% over the last three years. He's a smart player. He's a knowledgeable player. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But you have to take into consideration, he's not going to be, you know, better. He's not going to be a step up uh, over Blake Griffin. He's really, right. he, to, right. me, to me, they're almost equal, right? They're both guys that are out of their prime, that will do what they need to do, without, that will, will milk the most out of the talent that we can, but they're not going to turn the wheel. And, and I think Blake can do a lot more than Paul Millsap at this point in their careers. Um, I'll say this. The second that Denver traded for Aaron Gordon, Paul Millsap's time in Denver was essentially up. They just didn't have a need for him. Uh, I kind of felt that way when the Nets signed him. You know, he's not a player that we essentially needed. He helps our front court depth. But like you said, we already have Blake Griffin. Kevin Durant pretty much plays the four at this point. I mean, he doesn't have to if we go big, but he does. play the. He played the four the last year. Now you, you factor in LaMarcus Aldridge. We'll get into him in a second. You still have Nick Claxton on, on this roster. Um, you, you, br- you bring in this Dumboye guy who's, who's a 20-year-old defensive stud. He's, he's raw, but he can play defense. And, and you also drafted De'Ron Sharp out of UNC. You have a lot of guys in the front court, and I'm just not sure that Millsap's score first – mentality that i mean his game is he's a, he's a solid scorer that's what he does he's not he a great he, re- he takes too many threes now because the thing was when he was a yeah. solid big he would drive he had a nice little floater he could take a mid-range jumper he really over the past season for the nuggets was just camping out at the perimeter 
James Johnson's another guy who can play the four if the Nets really need need him to. I think he's six eight, six nine. James Johnson, uh, he, he's tall. But no, I, I I've seen things like some fans want Paul Millsap to start at the four. You start him, and then you, you start Blake at the five. You have KD at the three. I just don't know how many minutes Millsap gets. I'm not sure he really cracks the rotation. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll shine occasionally throughout the season. But if if fans are looking for him to come in and do what Jeff Green did last year, I don't think he's capable, and I don't think that he's he can do essentially what Jeff Green did last year, which was give you 20 to 25 whenever you needed, but really put up 15 points a game, hit the open three, uh, yam it on people. Jeff Green was dunking on everyone last year. Millsap doesn't really have that in his game. I I, I like it for depth purposes, but I don't think it's a player that the Nets essentially needed. I agree. Now, I do want to get to a guy that the Nets signed. They signed back. This guy was out of basketball after his brief stint with the Nets last year, LaMarcus Aldridge played five games, found out he had a terrible heart condition, retired immediately. I think every single Nets fan felt for him and, and just wanted him to get better. I don't think any of us expected him to come out of retirement and sign with the Brooklyn Nets. So I, I, I'll get into how you feel in a second. I'm super excited about this. I thought LMA – was exactly what the Nets needed last year. He was essentially the fourth best scoring option outside of KD, Kyrie, and James. And he didn't play with all three of those guys. I'm sure – I think Harden was hurt when, when he was in, or, or maybe KD was. But you want to talk about someone who can replace Jeff Green's production? That's LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge is a mid-range assassin. He is a smart player. He proved that he can hit the open three a little bit last year. Didn't take a ton, but I think he went like – four of five from three or something when he did shoot the three. Um, and he's a smart player and he's still good. He's still got a lot of good basketball left. If this heart condition doesn't pop up and he's able to stay healthy. I really think that he should start at the five for the nets. And I think that he's going to be a huge factor this season. I would go on to, I, I, I'm going to go on a, a limb here and say that he is the fourth best scoring option on this roster right now. I agree with everything that LaMarcus Aldridge should be the starting five. He's the best big man on the team. He's the, the most pure big man on the team, and he has a great uh, little fadeaway jumper. Uh, I don't know what stat you're referring to when you said he went four for five from three. Is that in one game, or is that over? Is that every – you're telling me he shot 80% from three last season? I don't think that's true. I'm going to look it up, but he didn't shoot – he only played five games last year, so he only took a few shots, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm that. But tell me, I mean, is there anything like what are you excited about Lamarcus Aldridge? Well, I'm excited about everything he brings to the table talent-wise. It's a little sketchy to me that he retires from a heart condition, which is, you know, it's not a bum ankle, it's not wobbly knees. Uh, it's a heart condition. When you think right. heart failure, when you think heart problems, you think players collapsing on the court mid-game and passing away, which has unfortunately happened to a handful of players in the past. So my first thought initially was wait are we sure he's cleared to play, right? And I have a quote here from ESPN uh, of LaMarcus Aldridge saying, I retired in April based on what I believe was the wisest precautionary decision for my personal health at the time, but further testing and evaluation by several top physicians has convinced the doctors, myself, and the Brooklyn Nets that I'm fully cleared and able to return to the rigors of the NBA. I love my brief time with Brooklyn. I'm excited to rejoin the team in pursuit of a championship. Now, I am not a top physician. I am not a health expert in any way. So if he is cleared by the top doctors to come play and they think he's fine, 
fantastic. I think he's going to be a huge asset to this Nets team. I think he's is one guy to me that puts us over the edge. Yes. I think yes. when you're looking at Millsap, you're looking at Blake Griffin, you're looking at these guys like, okay, they don't hurt us. They, they can have good games. They can have okay games. They're really not going to take away too much. But Aldridge, to me, is a full level above them in terms of talent, what he brings to the table. With that said, and I hate to say this, I, I would – it would be a shame and it would be scary if him starting to play again did, you know, raise health concerns. Did, yeah. If something came back and it was like a, a KD situation where, no, he should not have been playing when he came back and started playing and he hurt himself even further. That is a deep-rooted fear in the back of my mind. But in terms of basketball alone, he is I, I welcoming him back with open arms. I think he puts us even closer to that championship. I love that you called me out about that stat, by the way, because I was 100% right. Five attempts last year, last season in five games, four makes. He shot 80% from three-point land. Okay. Small sample size. But, corrected. but, you know, he could – look, I think you put it best. Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, these guys might get you 20, you know, on, on any given night, but they also might get you two. If you ask LaMarcus Aldridge to put up 20 a game, if he needed to do that, I think he could, especially if he's the third or fourth option. Definitely – he can definitely put up Jeff Green-type numbers – um, as that fourth option. But I will say this, in regards to the concern about health scare popping up, obviously I think that's the, in the back of all of our minds. I think we have to trust the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge's doctors, the Nets doctors, the NBA medical team, I think they all have an idea of what would put this guy's life at risk and what wouldn't. And I think at this point, everything checks out. And if something pops up, it pops up. And he has, if he has to retire, he has to retire. And I don't think anyone wants that to happen. It is a possibility, but I think for now we have to trust the team doctors. We, you know, we have to trust what they say. I, I, I think agree. I agree. We own that. All right. So with all these different additions, and I'll, I'll read you. So, you know, who have the Nets lost this season? Right? They lost Mike James. No one's really crying about that. Jeff Green to Denver. DeAndre Jordan to Los Angeles. Alize Johnson signed a deal with a, a two-year, $36 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. $3.6 million, not $36 million. Oh, $3.6 million. I said 36. That would be unbelievable. That would be a pretty good deal. $3.6 million. Good for him. Good for Alizé. I'm not sure he has a real future as far as a, a – I don't know. He's interesting, right? He had a 2020 game with the Nets, which was awesome, but I never saw him as a key piece. Maybe he can be. Maybe he can be a key piece on the. He's, board. A, he's a weird in betweener, right? Yeah. He's a freak athlete, and he's a great rebounder, but he's not big enough to be a big man. But he's not a good enough scorer or shooter to play a guard position. <laughs> so he's kind of like you know a a, a a small four, a big three. He sort of reminds me of Rondé Hollis Jefferson, just not as lanky, and like right. like Hollis Jefferson had you know those neat moves. He's sort of like that, but. Okay, so you lose those four guys, Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit, all out of Brooklyn. You bring in Patty Mills, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, Sekoy Dumboya, Javon Carter, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, and DeAndre Bembry. Not on this list is James Johnson, who you also brought in. Might be missing one or two guys. Having said this, who is your starting five and who is your 15? Because some guys are going to have to get cut. So, oh, and I didn't mention Jaleel Okafor is technically on the roster. So let's start. We'll start with our starting five. Who is your starting five if you are Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets? That is tough. Um, you know what? I'm going to go a little smaller, and I'm going to go Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and LaMarcus Aldridge. 
Uh, I think other people might – I'm not ready to jump Joe Harris out of the lineup yet. I know we shit on him a lot for his playoff performance. But I think when you have that many superstars on the court, it opens up the three-point shot so well to a knockdown shooter like a Duncan Robinson type with, with Butler and Bam or a Mo Williams or a Booby Gibson on those Cavs teams that you know when everyone doubled or tripled LeBron, he left them open. So I'm going to stand by Joe Harris – I think KD's big enough at that four to not have to worry, and LaMarcus Aldridge just provides even more height uh, and rebounding ability and scoring ability down low. So I'm going to give the boot to Blake Griffin in the starting lineup uh, and replace him with LaMarcus Aldridge. I'm going to get a little creative with this. So essentially I agree with your starting five. That's been my starting five. I think it's it's an easy, you know, you insert LaMarcus Aldridge into that role. And he's Blake Griffin was great for us. He's not a true center. He's not, especially if you're going to give him big center minutes. Either he can – I don't even think he's going to back up with Marcus Aldridge. I think he'll play with, with Claxton or play with LMA. Or if you need to play him at the five, he can hit the three. He's a solid stretch five. But I'm with you. I like that lineup essentially. I think that a guy who can steal Joe Harris's job, if Joe Harris underperforms slightly, is Cam Thomas. I think he can come in and potentially take that job from Joe throughout the season. But I don't want to discredit Joe. Joe is one of the, the best three-point shooters percentage-wise in the league. He he had that amazing streak of like 70 or 80 games. He hit a three-point. The three he had a, he had at least one three-pointer in. And we're not going to judge him because of one crappy series against the Bucs. But, but Cameron Thomas is a dude who has some serious game. He has some serious scoring ability. And he is someone who can absolutely steal minutes away from Joe Harris. Another guy who we forget is on the roster is Bruce Brown. That was one of the the, the first things the Nets did when they when they you know, when this off season is give Bruce Brown an extension and resign him. So he is, he is a guy who can absolutely start in place of Joe. So that that's my five. If you're going to go small, if you're going to go big throughout the season, I say you move KD to the three, you put in Blake at the four and you have LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, KD Harden and Kyrie. I think that lineup, if you want to go big, that's an amazing lineup, especially because Blake's true position is the power forward. But I digress. I'm sort of with you in spirit. I just think it's not going to be that throughout the season. Yeah, I think it also is important to notice to, to note who we want as our hype guys off the bench. I think Bruce Brown plays best off the bench. Yeah. I think a, a guy like Blake Griffin with a second squad, a Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, second squad, uh, led second squad, Cam Thomas could almost be like when Karis Levert would come off the bench in those on those on that older Nets team, and he would be the go-to guy. Or Spencer Dinwiddie would come off the bench with that second unit, and he would be the go-to guy. I could see that with a bunch of these talented players. So, um, listen, it's a good problem to have having so many great players. We're not sure who to start. There really is no weak starting lineup now right. that we filled this gap, especially with the Marcus Aldridge. I think we both agree that's the biggest part. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see. And hey, Joe Harris, we love him. Uh, he hasn't been the best under pressure. I, I am curious to see if Cam Thomas kind of, you know, snapping at the back of his toes, to the back that's, of his toes. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's snapping at the back him. of his toes. If that's going to push him, good as long as he can, you know, respond to the call. But either way, it's a good problem to have. And both those guys aren't bang guys down low. No, they're bang bros down high. I'm not going to say that. Um, and then I, I kind of asked it, but you can only keep 15 on this roster. You're going to have some two-way contracts. Who are the two or three guys who, who get cut? Well, you said it, Okafor. Yeah, Okafor's going to get no cut. no problem with Julio Okafor. He just has been a journeyman that hasn't really fit anywhere. He's, you know, he's a little bit slower big man. He, he could finish down low, but he really doesn't provide any sort of 
unique style or X factor that makes him stand out amongst other players. So I think you got to cut Okafor. Um, I'm curious to see Bembry. Yeah, he, uh, he's a fringe guy. He can absolutely be cut. He can right? be waived. I don't know his game um, as well. I know he was on the Hawks, and he, you know, he averaged. Or sorry, he was on the Raptors last season yes. before the Hawks, and he, and he averaged, you know, I think six points a game, shooting over fifty percent from the field. But listen, with the talented guards we have, especially, we'll say it again, Cam Thomas's potential, it's going to be hard to justify keeping him on the roster. And then let's be real, one of these young guys that we drafted, um, they're not all going to make it. So you got guys like. Kessler Edwards, Marcus Zagorowski, Raquion Gray, David Duke, Dayron Sharp. Duke Jr., yep. Um, I like I like Dayron Sharp a lot. You know, I think big man. And we and we have Javon Carter now. Yeah, who, it's it's stacked, but we have a very 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 deep roster. Um, I don't, I'm sorry. You finish your Javon Carter thoughts. So I think one of those one of those rookies that we drafted, if not two, are going to get the axe. Um, and Javon Carter. You know, it's funny. Uh, people who don't know Javon Carter, he's a great defender guard from West Virginia. Uh, who played last on the Phoenix Suns, really wasn't a role for him. He couldn't score as well as he did in college. He used to be more of a knockdown shooter, not really stepping up the NBA offensively, but a, a good athlete, a good defender, a hustle guy. He's kind of, to me, just just a, a less scoring Bruce Brown. You know, yeah. he, He's just a little bit of a downgrade from Bruce Brown. So a guy like Javon Carter, who I really like, because I know he works his ass off up and down the court, if he doesn't start knocking down threes consistently, there's not going to be a spot for him on the roster as well. I agree with you that Okafor and Bembry are are those fringe guys. Okafor definitely gets cut. I think Bembry might get waived. Um, you got to keep James Johnson. I think he's your enforcer. This Sekou Demboya guy is a project, but I would absolutely keep him. He can be a very good player down the line. You obviously drafted Dayron Sharp for a reason, so he'll probably stick around. Um, and I would like to think that you keep Javon Carter for depth purposes because you saw what happened last year at guard. We had Mike James playing big minutes in the playoffs at one point, and you do not want that. So Marks has his work cut out for him. I think the Nets are done making moves, but I have no idea. Um, I do want to wish a happy birthday to someone we just talked about. Obviously, they've had their their ups and downs as a Brooklyn Net, a lot more ups than downs. That's Joe Harris. Joe Harris turned 30th on Monday, Nick. He turned 30th? He had his 30th birthday, and he turned 30 years old. Happy birthday, Joe. Joe, Shout out your damn playoff game. What can I say about Joe that Amir can't say? You're handsome. You're a handsome guy. And you have a great three ball. And you kind of improved your offensive game a little bit. So you can hit the mid-range shot. You can drive a little bit. Did you have a stinky series against Milwaukee? You did. Do we all have stinky series in this? Uh, kind of in the whole playoffs. It wasn't just Milwaukee. No, he had a decent. He had a decent night against the Celtics. Mm. Do we have these stinky series in this big game we call life? Sure, we do. I know I've had my fair share, but this is not something that Joe can't bounce back from. And it starts with his big old thirtieth birthday. Happy birthday to you, my friend. We love you. And we got to cut Reggie Perry, right? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. I'm not sure if he's already – yeah, but we're absolutely going to cut him. I, I don't – I have to look into that. He had a terrible summer league, by the way. He looked yeah. atrocious. Yeah. All right, real fast, Spencer Dinwiddie looks really good in scrimmages. I was watching him. He posted some stuff on Instagram. Um, he's a shit talker, man. I like Dinwiddie a lot. Dinwiddie, he hit a shot, and then he said Master P afterwards, or he said no Master P. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then in his caption – 
let's see. Uh, no, Master P. That's what he said. In his caption, he wrote, I'm not the monster you think I am. I'm worse. That's kind of cool. I, I, I want Dinway to take over the world. So I think he's going to have a fucking huge season on Washington. I really do. Um, we talked about Alizé Johnson signing with the Bulls. As Nick mentioned, two years, $3.6 Happy to see him get a contract w- with the team and not have to – Go back to the G League. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that shapes out. We talked about that earlier in the show. Um, anything else, Nick? Anything else you're looking forward to for this season? You know, we got about, I think, two or three weeks before training camp starts up, and then and then the season will start back up. Uh, I don't even know the, the date. I'm so amped for football season. It's hard for me to think about basketball right now, but I'm going to look when, when the Brooklyn Nets have their first game before we before – we, oh, it's October 3rd against the Lakers. So that is – no, that's that's preseason. I'm sorry. Yeah, the October 3rd game is preseason. October 8th against the Bucks is the opening night, I uh, think. Oh, the Bucks, of course. Something I'm looking, like that. I'm looking at a quote right now from Spencer Dinwiddie uh, on him scoring on Kyle Kuzma in practice. Quote, yet another teammate that can't guard me, unquote. Um, Tuesday, October 19th. That's opening night. I'm sorry. Brooklyn at Milwaukee, 7.30 p.m. That is opening night. The, the, the games I was mentioning were preseason. Read the Dinwiddie quote. I could have it. He said, yet another teammate that can't guard me, uh, speaking about Kyle Kuzma in a Wizards practice. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I don't think Kuzma's known for his defense, so I'll, I'll cut him a little slack. I think Spencer should take someone who's who's actually a good defender and not Kyle Kuzma. But uh, all right, yeah, that does it. Uh, fun week, a lot of stuff going on. You know, it's Rosh Hashanah, Lashanah Tova to everyone who's celebrating the Jewish New Year. Nick and I will be headed over to Westchester later today to spend some quality time with our vaccinated cousins, um, and we're, we're looking forward to it. Hey, Spen, do you know what year it is according to the Hebrew calendar? I do not. I believe it is uh, 5782. You know what, uh, what, why this is going to be a good year? Why? This is the year that the Nets will win their first ever championship. Five seven eight two is going to be year five thousand seven hundred eighty two is the year that the Brooklyn Nets win their first championship. There you, you go. It, you heard it here first. There you go. We meshed a little Rosh Rosh Hashanah into the Nets uh, the Nets season. I love it. I love it. All right, Nick. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. Brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned, and and we'll we'll be pumping out more podcasts as the season gets closer. We're real bang guys, that's for sure. We are definitely not bang guys. You want to say it? Catch you on the fireside. Fireside.